Thursday, March 12th, Mayor Bill de Blasio declared a state of emergency in New York City with regard to the COVID-19. On Sunday, March 15th, after immense pressure from the teachers' union, parents, and the unions that represented health workers in New York City, the mayor decided to finally close schools hours before students were set to step back in the classroom for a new school week. Attendance at New York City schools had already seen a significant drop the week prior. The average attendance across the New York City public school system is about 92% on any given day. The week of March 8th through the 14th saw a steady decline from 90% at the beginning of the week to 68% come Friday, March 13th. This is Mayor Bill de Blasio speaking to the media at a press conference. So everyone knows on Thursday I declared a state of emergency in New York City. At the time, I said this situation was going to get more difficult. It is quite clear that this crisis is growing intensely. I am very, very concerned that we see a rapid spread of this disease, and it is time to take more dramatic measures. The issue that's been on everyone's mind is our public schools. So this is a decision that I have taken with no joy whatsoever, with a lot of pain, honestly, because it's something I could not in a million years have imagined having to do. But we are dealing with a challenge and a crisis that we have never seen in our lifetimes and it has only just begun. I regret to have to announce that as of tomorrow, our public schools will be closed. I have to be honest that we're dealing with a lot of unknowns and a lot of challenges. For New York City, we now have a number of confirmed cases for coronavirus of 329. Quarantine, day one, Monday, March 16th. The day after Mayor de Blasio closed schools was considered a snow day. No one was to report to schools. It was highly suggested that all teachers, students, and related staff stay home and practice self-quarantining and social distancing. Teachers were set to report to schools from Tuesday, March 16th to Thursday, March 18th to prepare for remote learning. At this point, a significant number of New York City employees in both the public and private sector who can do their job remotely were already sent home and told to socially distance themselves while self-quarantining. I woke up that Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. knowing I had to make it into work and decided that a two-hour walk, which included crossing over a bridge into another island, was a much safer option than taking the subway at this point. While on school premises, educators were told to work in isolation when possible and, if necessary, to keep six feet of distance between themselves and their co-workers. I also used this time to pack up any and everything I felt I would want at home with me. Reopening schools on April 20th seemed highly unlikely to me given the current response by both the state and federal government. I knew once I left the building after remote learning training, I shouldn't expect to be back for the school year. Social distancing, day three, Thursday, March 18th. It rained all day. Walking wasn't an option. I usually take three trains to work. The seven train was moderately full, but it also runs through one immigrant neighborhood after the other. The majority of these individuals work for hourly wages, and to not work wasn't an option for them. Transfer to the end train at Queens Plaza. The train is quiet. A few people here and there, but nothing compared to the typical rush hour crowds. Half the people on the train are wearing gloves or face masks. The day comes and goes. At this point, I'm just excited to not have to take the train again, but before I leave, I sat down with my co-worker to discuss COVID-19. We had both came from different schools the year prior and had to navigate being in new environments new students, a different culture, and now it was all coming to an abrupt end. In this interview, I sat down with Andre Easton, 
a dual certified teacher in English and special education, who I taught with for about three-fifths of the 2019-2020 school year. Andre has been in the Department of Education for eight years and has worked at three schools in that time. We sat down for what may be our last in-person meeting for the school year and discussed the impact COVID-19 will have on us, our students, and society as a whole. We are in the same classroom, but I actually think this is going to be the last day we're in the same classroom together. Yo, that's incredibly, incredibly eerie. And I'm still processing what that means for me, like personally and like emotionally. I've never, as short from Superstorm Sandy, I've never experienced this much absence from a classroom, right? Like outside of like the summer break, but those are designated breaks. So all my friends are off too, right? And we can go and socialize and we can have these types of um, experiences and reminisce. But aside from Superstorm Sandy, when we had those every morning, I remember waking up watching the news and seeing and waiting to see the announcement if New York City schools were open and like watching it and holding my breath every single day and never knowing, but I feel that feels different, right? Because we knew school was going to open, right? Now we know for a fact that at least until April 20th, as of what's today's date, March 19th, we know until April 20th, so right, another month from today, the schools will be closed, guaranteed. So just to backtrack a little, uh, the Blasio, mm-hmm. I, think, I think last week, Wednesday, yeah. is really when things just started to, to rev up a lot. You start to see teachers kind of asking, especially online, like, yeah, why yeah. are we going to school? The blogs, yeah. But why, yeah. Like, why is this happening? Why, why are we putting ourselves 1.1 million students mm-hmm. and then another 300,000 teachers yeah. and staff? Yeah. I, I might be off on that one. Yeah, but plus it's, you got subs and whatnot and factored in that people yeah. come in from different places. So things start wrenching up. Uh, when you get to the point where Friday happens last week, Friday, mm-hmm. and the pressure is just kind of building. Yeah. At that point, I heard some people say that we're not going to be in school on Monday. I thought we would be in school on Monday. For sure. I, I was a little. I, but the thing is, everything is so, especially in that moment, everything is so day to day. Yep. You really don't know what what's going to come the next day. I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's day to day. I would I'd say, say it's hour to minute. hour. Yeah, minute yeah. to minute. Like I, I've, I remember me and you, we would be teaching a class and we'd get live updates. It's like, oh, there's a case in New York. Or, oh, remember we found out the morning that that school shut down? The, the school on um, uh, the school in the Bronx. That yeah. Got, it got shut down. Which is just a mile away from here. Yeah, right? If that. And, and, and that, was, we were responding to that in real time. Kids were coming in and we were all kind of processing that. So everything just seems so immediate. And um, I think particularly now in the time that we live in, you know, you want to call it the Trump era, you want to call it post-2016, everything feels like it's... Things that are really big deals almost don't feel as much of a big deal as they would have maybe five or ten years ago, right? Because it's like if you have a crisis on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, by the time Thursday hits, whatever happens, you're kind of like, all right, whatever, you know? Like It's almost like real life is somewhat turned into what you would see on social media a facts. little bit. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 just, it comes in with the tide, and it washes away, and it comes in with the tide, and it washes away, regardless of how serious these things really are. Like, impeachment is so distant of memory, right? That, but that was everything that we talked about for a point in time was all about impeachment, and that is no longer mentioned at all because we're in a time where everything is responding to or reflecting on or building 
in response to the COVID-19 outbreak that we're seeing, the pandemic, I think is the word. Yeah. And I think I used that word prematurely. Um, you even did, when you we're did. in class, I was I, like, yeah, it's a pandemic. And yeah. he, he was like, no, it's definitely yeah. not a pandemic yet. But like two days later, it was a pandemic. So maybe, I, I was, maybe, I'm, a, maybe I'm an oracle. <laughs> or an alarmist whatever i'm going to add that to my resume and okay. see see how far i get so sunday it comes out mayor de blasio has a he has a press conference he announces that schools are going to be closed teachers have to come in tuesday through thursday to start working towards building this online platform so as of right now this is literally the first thing we're doing now that we are officially on self-quarantine. Wow. wow. Are we breaking rules? I don't know. Well, well, how do you feel like in this moment right now, knowing that as of right now, you probably, you don't know when you're going to be back in this building. Yeah. Uh, you're going to be teaching online. And you're, for the most part, I would assume you're going to be spending the majority of this time in your house with your family. Yep. So like, how, how are you feeling right now? Great question. Now that we're, essentially our quarantine has officially started. Great question. Um, on a regular day at 2.30, I'm usually out the door, right? Like a few times I, I, on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we'll stay for office hours to help students with work. But typically I'm out of here. Um, I kind of feel myself lingering a bit. Um, maybe because I'm having separation anxiety. Maybe because I am trying to make peace with the fact that my reality, once I close this door in the front, right, once I walk out that front door and go into my car and leave this parking lot, when I return, it will not be the same space that I left it in, right? Because if we come back on April 20th, or if we don't come back until next year, when I leave the building today, it is a marked, it's, it, today's the, 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 the precipice or the, the end point and the beginning point of a new reality that I have yet to experience. None of us have experienced it yet. So I think I'm kind of, uh, maybe, maybe I'm subconsciously delaying that because I don't know how I'm gonna feel. I, didn't, I think the hardest part for me is not being able to kind of make peace or say goodbye to my students. Even if I see them virtually through Zoom, it's not the same. Like being able to, the, the being able to embrace my students, right? Because I, 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 I would shake my students' hands. I haven't done that in a while, but I, I would because that's my human, my human self speaking, right? And I think not having that closure, not having that, yo, see you next week, or even, yo, see you after the break, I think that is the part that really bothers me. And it makes me sad, if I'm honest, right? Because I, I genuinely like my students. I like my coworkers. I mean, even though we're not friends on social media or anything like that, it's cool. <laughs> totally cool. Doesn't bother me, not even a little bit. So it's not official until it's on social media. Doesn't, exactly. It's, right. it's not Facebook official. So um, I think I look forward to coming to work this year than I have, more than I have in any year of my eight years teaching. I've, I've been excited to come to school, to come to work, um, and I think having that taken from me in a selfish way feels like I'm, I'm resentful that I had to lose out on these opportunities. I'm resentful on behalf of what my students have lost out. They don't get a prom, right? They don't get to walk across the stage and to actually reap the fruits of their labor in real time in the way that we got to do, right? You and I got to do that. And this yeah. whole school is a second chance to get them to do the things that we never, that we got to do that they were kind of deprived of. And not just, not just for them, but also their parents. Their families, hell because yeah. Because 
I I was never a big graduation person. Yeah. Like my high school graduation, I was like, whatever. Whatever, yeah. College graduation, I have to pay for this. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, and then when I got my graduate degree, I just didn't go. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and spent time with with my mom. Yeah. So, it, and it, it really and but that's what really showed me that graduations are they're for they're a family thing. It's you a know? village celebration. They're, as much as it's for you, yeah, it's for your mom and your yeah. dad. You know. And I think um, part of it is that they get to celebrate you. Another part of it is that they kind of get to get you back. Right? It's like now, like, cause at least for me within grad school, right? Like, I, I spend so much of my time, like, late nights, early mornings, like, papers, papers, reading, writing. And then after I graduated, it was like, ah, I get to look at my wife and, like, just look at her, right? I get to listen to my, my kid and I'm like, hey, um, you know, listen to whatever their stories. I can, I can divert all of my energy towards the people that I care about, the people that sacrifice so that I could be successful. I get to return that, you know, that same, I get the same feeling like during summer breaks, like I get to just unplug and, and to be with them. But I think that this doesn't feel like a break at all. It doesn't feel like we're relaxed. I don't feel like my, I feel the opposite. I feel more tense. I feel more anxious now than I would have, you know, in a few weeks when April break would actually start, like I'd be okay. Cause I know that there's a sense of routine, a sense of normalcy that I'm going to return to. But now that is also when you, when you have a natural school year, yeah. by the time you get through like mid May, yeah. you start to get those feelings About like, ready. okay, you know, like we're kind of coming to the end yeah. and it's something that you kind of work towards. Yes. And this is just kind of like ripped away from yeah. you and you're like, Whoa, what's going on? You yeah. kind of have to like step back and like yeah. assess the situation a yeah. little bit. And, like, I'm still processing that, you know? Like, I'm going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to be like... Yeah, so what, 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 how would you categorize your feelings? Like, um, if you had to name it or, like, put a label on it, or what would you say that... What rises to the top the most? Uh, just... Uncertain, mm. you know? Just being uncertain in so many different things, you know? Like, uh, it's, what, it's what I'm going to be doing with my students going forward. Is that going to work? Mm. Is that going to be helpful to them? Mm. Uh, I just found doesn't out. Doesn't matter. The, yeah. Uh, is uh, does I just found out my high school teacher contracted the coronavirus last night. So I kind of like reached out to him, and I I went to a school where you you had uh, kind of like specialist teachers who worked on who worked with you, and this teacher I had for four years, essentially for wow. three hours for four years. Wow. So it was like a mentor almost. Yeah. To a certain degree, you know, and, um, he, re- I think he retired last year, I believe. So he's and an older dude, obviously. Yeah. 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 So it, that just kind of like hit me. So it's like, it kind of like brings it home a little bit because even though you see it on the news and you see it happening, yeah, it still feels a little distance of course, of course. until like you're personally affected. And I think when it's all said and done, the majority of people in America will be affected in yeah. some way or another. Yeah, either directly or indirectly. But yeah. no, everybody will be affected. Yeah. Economically, you know, our taxes are going to be changed. Like, there's no way that these kind of uh, bailouts are going to happen without any kind of taxpayer contributions, right? So there, there's everybody in America, globally, not even just America, because a lot of times we think about America, but like, we are a, a con- interconnected people. Like globalism is a thing. Like what happens in China obviously affects what happens here, and vice versa. Yeah. So I, I've been think, uh, largely think, not thinking about myself. Mm. Um, I've largely been thinking about my family, 
uh, contacted my mom, contacted my dad. Uh, my little brother and sister haven't been in school. Uh, so they're, they're kind of homeschooling a little bit and my stepmom's able to be at home with them. That's good. That's um, good. but I'm also thinking about all of the people who either work hourly or knowing that unless something drastic happens within yeah. the next couple of weeks, yeah. while they might be able to pay their rent for April, yeah. there's a good chance they are not going to have TV. They won't be able to provide for themselves come May. Yeah. And and that's an overwhelming majority of people. And, and I, I think what's particularly unique about the time that we live in now is like under different circumstances, if you couldn't be able to provide for yourself, you could pick up a side job. Can't happen now. Right. Like you, you used if, oh, I know people that drive Uber and like teachers like my principal, actually, my former principal at my first school, he ran a, a, a livery company. He, yeah, delivery, that's the official name. It's a livery company. So he would do like airport shuttles to like JFK. Like he'll wake up in the morning at like 4 a.m. and go pick people up, like dignitaries, diplomats, and they'll, he'll shuttle them to Westchester from LaGuardia or from JFK, and then he'll come to work and he'll work as a principal and then he'll go back home and he'll do the same thing. He'll do like five runs a day, which is crazy, right? Man's work ethic is insane. But I think about people like that. And Having, having that ability to have a, se- a second job to supplement your income to your lifestyle, I think that's a, that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a good thing, right? But I think now when people lack the, their income from the main source, there aren't those fallbacks, those, those safety nets where people can say, all right, I'm going to work, I'm going to pick up more hours on my second or my third job or I'm going to pick up a side hustle, right? Like th- those things are less um, viable in this um, atmosphere and it's it's across the board Facts. you know it's not like one person loses mm-hmm. their job this yeah. this is everyone again interconnectedness right yeah. ubuntu i think we talked about did we talk about we this did year? we did i think oh, back in shit, september oh shit yeah. it's the east lake connection <laughs> but i i also heard from so i have a friend of mine who he would rent out his car mm. to someone who would then use it for uber wow and he came over so the the way he he prefaced the text was, "Hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to have like a quick beer real quick at your house or something? Yeah. Or are you self quarantining?" Mm. And I was uh, quarantine or not. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was quarantining, I was quarantining myself. I I said, "Yeah, come over. We can have a beer." You know. Yeah. He sat on the couch. I was at like uh, my bar stool, and we were just kind of talking. You know, and. Has a bar stool, well, I like fancy, instead instead of like fancy, dining room tables, fancy, fancy. I can't afford the backs to my mm, dining room tables, so mm, I just have like. I'm these. trying to spin it now. It's too late. No. <laughs> it's on record. It's been recorded. You if you saw my out. dining room table, you'd understand. <laughs> I just got a dining room table like last week. I'll air quote dining room table because it's like three by two. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's not really a table. It's like a student desk. Yeah, <laughs> like one person can eat there. Maybe good. You can't drink though. Just can eat or drink. Right? Yeah. You well, you can't really like seat two people. Mm. That's really what it is. Nice, nice. But he came over and he was talking about like uh, the Algerian man who he rents out his car to. Yeah. And he said, if this goes another week, week and a half, it's a dub. he's gonna have to move back to Algeria. Yeah. And you can see how drastically. Yeah. Life decisions can be forced upon you, based off the circumstances in which you're put in. 
And you can't prepare for that. No, there, you, there is no preparing for that. How do you safeguard or prepare for that? Like, what, what is the backup plan? Like, everybody is on plan Z right now because plans A through X were not Y, A through Y, um, did not, were, not, were not fruitful. And we have to try some drastic, take some drastic measures. It's, uh, it's very uh, alarming, I'd say. So I, w- I kind of want to, like, turn the conversation more towards, like, your personal experience. Yeah. Um, another one. You have a son. Mm-hmm. He's in daycare. Well, what what he, is the official name? Great for question. Great question. Um, so he's in three K. So three K is, is the pre K before pre K. Exactly. Oh and lord. Pre K is before kindergarten. So in two years he'll be in kindergarten. And soon they're going to be popping out the womb, going straight yeah, into gonna the schools. Yeah, they're going to have zero K, negative one K, right? While you're in the womb, you know, we'll start reading stuff. But hey, look, I, I'm not mad. It's extra en- enrichment. But um, you said having a son. Yeah. So how have you and your wife kind of explained this to him? Oh, great question. Great question. Because now he's he came from having a routine. And yep. I think I think even as as bad as not having a routine is for routine is for adults. I think kids feel it even for more. Sure, for sure. So what is it like for him so far? And or what have you or, and, and your wife said to him about this? Great question. So um. Particularly, um, as he has grown, uh, my wife and I have been very cognizant of his need for structure. So we want, and my wife is also a teacher. She teaches at the same school that he's at. Um, we, we, we've been very cognizant of his need for structure. So even on the weekends, we try to make sure there's always a structure. And, and um, over time, the structure has kind of loosened a bit because we recognize that people are humans and he's a human and he ne- has different needs on certain days. Um, but like we're really, we've really split into two categories, right? It's like days where he has a nap, days where he doesn't. <laughs> and the days where he doesn't, it's obviously very apparent, right? He's uh, more irritable. He's more whiny. It's harder for him to think clearly. He's, his speech is, uh, he stutters more. Um, so we, we, we try to maintain a, a certain routine. Like he has his naps. We, we read to him before he sleeps every time. He has a snack when he wakes up, his lunch. Those things are, he knows he can expect that every day. I think the challenge now in this climate is trying to look at my soon-to-be four-year-old son and tell him that he can't go to the park, right? Like, because um, that's, that's what we would do. If it's nice outside, if it's not raining, we go to the park. And when he asks us why, right, why can't I go to the park, we explain, so you know there's a lot of sick people out. And there's a virus going around. It's making a lot of people sick. And to avoid us catching it or contracting the virus and spreading it or um, the other way around, we cannot be in gatherings where other people play, right? Because the, the virus, it lives on surfaces that people touch and then people touch their face and their nose and their eyes and that's how it, 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 gets, um, it enters into their body. Um, so that's the hardest part for us is like you can't go outside and play and he doesn't really fully doesn't like that. <laughs> Do you think he fully understands the situation or he, he kind of gets it and then? I think he gets it. I, th- I think he understands that much what I'd explained. Um, whether or not he understands the policy ramifications or the economic reverberations from that, um, that's definitely a no. He knows that he can't see his teachers. He knows that he can't see his classroom or his friends at his classroom. He knows that certain parts of his life have fundamentally changed and that their 
we kind of take it day by day, right? He, he, he gets that he can't do certain things. Like when we go, like I'll take him for a bike ride and we'll ride around the block. And it's crazy because I, I, we moved to where we moved because there was a, there's a fantastic park. Like you can see it from his bedroom window. Oh, so it's like tempting him every single day. It's, he wakes li- up. it's, it's, you can, I can, my wife and my son have gone to the park and I've stood in his window and I've looked out and I've seen them on the playground from his window. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like we moved here for the purposes of him having access to that, to exercise, to play, to run. And to be safe, right? Because the park is it's fenced around. Like, it's a really, really dope park. Um, but to know that every day, especially when it's nice out, when it's raining, he's like, okay, you know, I kind of get we got to be inside. But when it's like 70 degrees or like, you know, the other day it was like really, really nice outside and he wants to go to the park, that's a battle between us. And I get it. Like, I'm not even angry at him, you know, because I'm like, as... I've never had that experience. You've never had that experience where no. your parents told you that you couldn't go to the park because you would get sick, right? During 9-11, people were going to the park, right? During Superstorm Sandy, where there were areas where it wasn't, you know, d- dilapidated, people were in the parks. So this is, a, this is an unprecedented experience for all of us, and particularly as a young person, I can imagine how crazy that must seem in your head that, like, some invisible thing is in the air, that's stopping you from going to the park that you can physically look at. You can physically touch the park, but you can't go in it. And it's eerie because there's no other kids in the park either. Like, I think um, it might have been Friday. It was either Thursday or Friday. One of those days last week was really nice. And this is before the, you know, we found out about the school's closing. We took him to the park. And he was the only kid there in the park. Like, there was nobody else there. Are you worried that there may be things within what's inside the park that he may be touching that uh, mm, because it it came out i think a couple of days ago that the uh the virus itself can live on certain surfaces for up to yeah, 3 days yeah so i'm just curious if that's like been something you've been concerned about um we've always been conscious as conscious as we can be about like hand washing and um using hand sanitizer like my hand my son uses a hand sanitizer like it's uh like it's something to do right like he <laughs> he loves breath mints and hand sanitizer right? like those are things that like if i have them and he's around i don't have them anymore right like he's like let me get some of that so he's been very conscious of his hygiene um as much as he can can be expected from a three-year-old um we try to keep him to keep his hands away from his face um because we know that's how you you contract it um, but in terms of it living on the services, I, I, I saw a graphic somewhere that showed like that the coronavirus can live a certain amount of time on different services, like on wood versus aluminum. Uh, I actually heard recently, I don't know how verified it is, but that copper actually kills the COVID-19 coronavirus, right? So like once it comes in contact with copper, it doesn't live on copper. It can't like reproduce and like be transmitted once it. I haven't heard that. Yeah, and you know, copper has a lot of uh, those uh, antiviral properties. I know they use it in uh, certain forms of birth control as a spermicide. And doctors don't fully understand how or why it works, but they know that when they use copper inserts into certain type of um, procedures or um, instruments, that they've been shown to ward off uh, different types of uh, cell growth. Um, But but yeah, so in terms of that, like... um, I, I don't think I'm worried per se, but I will say that since that day last week when we went to the park, he hasn't been back, right? Because, you know, 
you always want to err on the side of caution. You don't want to take chances with something. I mean, I know his immune system is good. He was breastfed. Like, he, he doesn't get sick very often. And if he does, he recovers very well, which he's supposed to get sick, you know? Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, that isn't, like, a major, major concern of mine, is him contracting it from touching something that, you know, was dormant for X amount of hours or days or whatever. Yeah, so 2020, and, and just in talking with you as your coworker, I felt like you had a lot of really big changes happening in your yeah. life in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you had you just bought a house a yeah. couple months ago. Do you remember what day you officially closed on the house? February 13th. It was the day before Valentine's Day. I knew it. I knew you would remember it yeah, because yeah. that's such a significant day in a home buyer's mm-hmm. life. Facts. That that day that you get the keys to your house, mm-hmm. it's officially yours. Yeah. Yeah. February 13th. Yeah, that, that day is actually, um, Valentine's Day is, all, is very, uh, it's a significant day for me. Um, not for like, I guess, traditional reasons, but like my running career ended on Valentine's Day, right? 2009, I got my first like real injury. It was, it was wow. a, as a, a. What did uh, you injure? Uh, my hamstring. Yeah, we were running, uh, it was the conference championship. Indoor conference championship, right? Biggest meet of the year so far. And, um, yeah, I just pulled my hamstring, came around the turn. Mid-race. Mid-race, yeah. Oh, my God. I was, I was in, like, second place. I was, I was um, moving. I was, I, was, I was shadowing the leader because my understanding was that I was going to kick on him at the end. And yeah. then, but um, I cut the corner in too quickly, and I guess my hamstring tweaked in a, little w- in, in a weird way. And then I guess it just, like, strained and got pulled. One of the most painful experiences of oh. my life. But February 14th is always the day that I'm like, damn, this is the anniversary of the last time that I was actually in, like, my, my best form, you know what I mean? So, like, 2009, and ever since that day, I always, like, Valentine's Day has always had, like, an a ominous kind of feel to it. But um, it was good to kind of add the, the home buying into it, um, you know, this year. But it, it's still kind of weird because, like, I, I used to get emails from Zillow all the time, right? <laughs> because we found our house on Zillow. Not, not shameless plug. I don't know. They're not paying me. Um, but they should be paying they should, me, right? <laughs> Facts. Um, but like, if you go on a real estate app right now and you're looking for a property, like there's nothing listed right now. You get what I'm, you can't go and look at a house right now. No one's showing their house right now. You can't buy a property. You know what I mean? Like people are not going to welcome you into their home because everybody is kind of shuttered in because of the the fear of you know COVID nineteen. So it's 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 such a airy play because I feel like we got we we literally just finished the process right before the news cycle changed to this entire um, you know where now we're we're taking precautions. So like I feel like it, it was like we were like kind of the last ones in or out. I don't know how you want to phrase it, but that that's a it's a really weird thing. You know? Yeah, I would imagine if if you were still looking, yeah, you would you would have just stopped altogether. Yeah. You would also have people, to postpone that, maybe even a year. And a lot of people don't have the money, right? The pe- people that were using their savings to kind of bolster their down payments, now people got to say, we got to reassess that, you know, because these savings now need to sustain us for the next however long until we can get things back to a place where our incomes are more stabilized. So I think that's uh, it's a, it's a weird place. It's a really weird place to be, you know? Yeah, I can kind of speak to that myself. Uh, as someone who does Airbnb uh, at the place where I live, I had to completely shutter that. And it, it literally happened overnight. Yeah. Last no week, warning. Thursday, I was all booked up. The next thing I know, cancellations left and right. 
And it goes back to like you were like uh, what you were saying earlier about it being hour to hour, minute to minute yeah. as this news is coming in. And just like that, I went from having something I did as a side business to support my income as a teacher for the better part of a year and a half to now it's over. Yeah, I'm, I'm no longer doing it. And I, I don't think I will. I, I don't even see a future in this anymore mm. uh, because it might that might it might not be a thing I for think. another two, three years, because yeah. even when this is over, I was very reliant on people traveling. Mm. And if you thought 9-11 stopped people from traveling for a good year or two years, this is going to have an even larger impact. Absolutely. I mean, we're millennials now, so yeah. it might be a little different because... Yeah. If you're going to send me to Miami for $50, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll wear a mask. <laughs> I'll wash my hands. I'll be good. But just overnight, like I just lost that additional source of income, kind of yeah, like what yeah. you were saying. And on top of that, there's the added, uh, the added point that I might not necessarily want to bring a stranger into my house every single day. Yeah. Because so it's for the better part of a year and a half, I had one to two strangers in my house. Brand new faces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, and it was awesome to get to meet those people and interact with them because they're from all parts of the world. But now it's all about kind of doing your part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, to be responsible. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't risk it. Like our mics are mad far apart from each other right now, but that's like the new normal in a sense. It's like, yo, you can like love and appreciate people from a distance. And like we're learning that we kind of, have to do that you know i think there was a phrase in italy that said like we're gonna you know we're gonna put some distance in between us now so that in the future we can come together right like if we don't I like that I like if we that. don't put distance together now like then there won't be a future for us to be able to say you know what i'll hug you next year like there's there, that next year won't be a thing if we don't take these kind of precautions you know not to be like you know alarmist um but yeah that that's a real thing so the other thing I kind of want to bring up was, aside from buying a home, you're also expecting a new child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In three, four months, July. July, July 14th is our expected due date. Yeah. So that 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 has its own challenges. Yeah. So what do you? What are some of your fears, mm. or I don't want to say fears, but what do you think are some of the things that? just kind of come to mind that you find yourself kind of always coming back to having a new child mm -hmm. um, in the middle of all of this happening. So the crazy thing to me, so my wife and I were doing a home birth, right? So we've, we've elected to do a home birth. Um, we, the moment we found out she was pregnant, we said, this is what we're going to do. But shit, before she was pregnant, we we're like, Hey, if we ever have another kid, we're doing it at home. Um, largely due to the, you know, there's a, there's, there's increased, um, experiences of discrimination and racism for black women, black mothers particularly, within the, the healthcare system, right? You know, black women are three and a half, two and a half times more likely to die during childbirth or as a result of complications from childbirth than white women, right? And that's, that's, that's controlling for socioeconomic status, right? So the, the richest black woman still has an increased chance of death or, or physical injury as a result of her birthing process. And, and we have the technology, so the technology isn't an issue, right? It's, it's how the care is being administered. So from the beginning, we, we knew we wanted to, to, to deliver at home with a midwife, with a doula, with a black midwife, with a black doula. What's a doula? Great question. So a doula is like a, a birthing assistant. 
right? So midwife is the, the, the trained doctor. So she's the one that's wow. going to actually um, do the delivery and like monitor the baby's vitals and make sure that everything is, is copacetic. Um, and the doula is more like a coach. The, co- the doula is to help guide your mind and to, to help you manage pain or to, um, just to keep yourself centered, almost like a guide, yeah, a guide um, through the birth process where the midwife is focused on the, 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 the health aspect, the physical health aspect. Yeah, we're recording in school, so you're going to get those bells. You know what the funny thing is? The last bell didn't go off. That's so I'm what a little, I'm saying. I'm a little upset that that bell just That's went off. That's what I'm saying. That's crazy. Um, Messing with wow. me. Wow. But, um, yeah, so the, the doula is like a coach. So she guides, she, she guides you and, and helps you through the mental process and understanding what's happening with your body to relax you and to allow the birth to happen naturally. She assists you. She assists your baby transitioning into the earth where the midwife is, is concerned primarily with the, the vitals and the physical, and she has the license and the training to be able to support you and the baby and make the call if there is any kind of complication in the birthing process where you would need to go and be treated in an ER or an operating room, right? She makes that call and says, this isn't safe, we're gonna do this. Like, but up until that point, she's like the head honcho. How do you go about how do you end up finding a midwife? Yo, that was a process. That was like a six-week process. Like, we we were looking for midwives while we were looking for houses. Like, like I can imagine so you're, like, on Craigslist, like, need midwife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, Send and resources. We actually interviewed uh, five. We interviewed five different midwives. We went out to... Um, we were on St. Mark's Place one day. Oh, oh yeah. man, don't tell me you found your midwife on St. Mark's Place. No, 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 no. She was she was cool. She was cool. But um, we didn't like her prices, though. Her prices, <laughs> this shit is expensive, yo. Shit is expensive. Like, people think you could just have a birth baby at home. Like, it's no. That shit is expensive. You have to pay out of pocket. Like, it's like $8,500. I'm guessing that's uh, not covered at all by insurance. Great. No, actually, some of it is. So really? So, insurance will cover about 50 to 55% of what your costs are for the midwife. Out-of-pocket costs. So, like... If, so the midwife has a fee. She says, this is what I need to complete these services. And then your insurance company will cover up to half of that. And then you can do a payment plan uh, for the rest of it, which is what we're doing. Um, but like I say all that to say, like this entire COVID-19 uh, situation is like disrupting that because we would have home visits, mm. right? She would come in from Brooklyn. She drives from Brooklyn. She comes to meet us. And this is actually going to be her first time coming to our new house because every other time she was at our apartment, and now she'll be um, coming to our new house. But, like, that's kind of up in the air. Does like, that change things at all, like, from her perspective? Do you know? Well, yeah. So we, we've been uh, – we, we text her a lot, right? Like Because um, I would imagine just performing it in a whole different space now. Yeah. Well, oh, 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 great question. Actually, we have more space now. So it's actually easier than um, um, what it was before. But she's, she's very flexible. She's professional. She's delivered hundreds of babies. Um, and so, you know, we're just trying to co- communicate with her and make sure that we're getting our checkups because she doesn't want to increase any unnecessary exposure, right? Because uh, any exposure is potential COVID-19 exposure. So we have our appointments, you know, scattered out. I think our next one is in like a couple of weeks, but we're like we're just watching the situation and seeing how things go. But um, we've been communicating via text, um, phone calls. Like, she's very personable. So, like, we have that, that connection. But, like, when it comes actually down to it in July, like, I don't know what the world is going to look like then. But I think the best thing I can do is to try to be as calm and as rational and to make the best decisions that I, I can to kind of safeguard myself, my wife primarily, and, um, you know, our family 
and you know, the best you can, really. You know, so we're just we're trying to figure it out too. But um, I are think, we all? Yeah, that's that's this. I think that's the story of 2020, right? Like we started off, uh, you know, going to war. Like it's gonna be World War Three. Like that was that was January, and then I think it was, January is also the Australia brush fire. Brush fire. That shit burned for like how long? Yeah. So it's it's and again that's, that's what I'm talking about. Like with the whole. It, the whole idea of like the, the news coming in is like a tide and it's yeah. going away. Like those, each of those are defining events. Like that's, that's like a decade defining event. I, 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 something like, like a brush fire, like the majority of an island continent is on fire for an extended period of time. That is a decade event, right? So seeing that happen right after impeachment, right after, you know, then we had Kobe, then we had Pop Smoke, and now we have this virus. There's so many things that come and go, like, it's hard for you to make a sense of what is really an emergency or what is really a crisis, because everything gets wiped away by the next thing. Yeah, well, I don't know if you follow sports at all. Yeah. So, in baseball, the biggest thing was the Astros. Yeah, the cheating scandal. Yeah, and I saw someone post on Facebook, and they literally said, Guess who's, guess who's loving this right now in 2020? The Astros. The Astros. Now, now they don't got it. Nobody cares about Overnight. Nobody who, cares who cares about if you cheated? You got to, they got it. That is a Hail Mary play right there, yeah. right? Instead of being dragged for months. Which they would have been and yeah. they should have been. And they probably will be, they probably will once it continues. Yeah. But for now, that became nothing. Nothing matters. Nothing yeah. matters right now. Yeah. Everything got, and good, bad or otherwise, everything got spent. But here, here's the thing. Here's a funny thing. Into the mic? Yeah, because you were kind of like talking at me. My fault. No, that's all right. I'm going to turn the mic towards you so I can talk at you. Still. Yeah, there you go. Right? Um, how do you do a baby shower under quarantine? You don't. How do you do a housewarming under quarantine? Did I, did I tell you what I texted my friend? Um, he's a firefighter. He was engaged to get married back in uh, January. It didn't happen. Uh, they decided to change their date to May 22nd. I texted him yesterday. We haven't spoken yep. in about a month. May? So that means the positives have been made. And I literally texted him and I said, dude, you need to cancel your wedding. Yep. Don't set a date. Yep. Um, just you guys love each other. That's all that matters. You'll, you'll do it when the time is right, when people can enjoy and celebrate you. And when it's just a better time for everyone. Because yeah, you don't want sure. people having a celebration when in the back of their mind yeah. they're thinking about something else. I don't want a celebration of love where people can't hug each other. Yeah. People can't embrace each other. If it's a celebration of love, then we all got to be together. Like I hugged the everybody at my, I keep cursing, uh, um, at it's my okay. wedding, right? Like, cause you know, this libations are flowing. Like people are feeling good. You want to get close to people. People go to weddings, receptions, Partially because of the residual, you know, like there's a whole movie about it, like wedding crashes, right? They go to weddings because they know people feel loving. People want to be touched and to touch people. And to have an event like that where none of that is allowed, I think it goes against the entire purpose of the ceremony. It's to bring people together and celebrate your commitment, your public profession to this individual. I'm going to commit to you for as long as I live or for as long as the legal, um, <laughs> as long as I'm legally bound to you, right? So I think without that ability to embrace, I think that the whole process is moot.
I feel similarly about like housewarmings. Like you open the door. Oh, welcome to my house. Ah, oh, here's some wine. I got some gifts for the kids. Not, I, I was on your registry, right? Not like, here's some here's hand, hand sanitizer. sanitizer right? Here's like, a mask. Yeah. Put on these. Put these on your feet. But I do think people are resilient, and I feel like people can. Um, and, and yeah, definitely take your shoes off in my house. Oh, of course. That's, that's just that's no, a, that's no. non-negotiable. Even if there's no coronavirus, it's non-negotiable. But carpet um, or wood floors doesn't matter. Agreed. Agreed. It, your, your your outside shoes stay in the outside. They don't come into the in. But anyway, your mama um, taught you well. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. You know, Caribbean. You know, what I'm saying is <laughs> certain things, there's commonalities, touch points. But um, yeah. So I think that that's something that I think is we're gonna have to get used to doing without, and that's the part that I don't know how to deal with. I don't know how to because I'm, I don't like people. But the people that I like, I really like. And you want to celebrate them. Absolutely. You, know? you want to be with them. So I told him, don't. He, was, he told me he was going to set a date for August. I said, don't do it. Just. You're doing you're, that for you, your parents, bro. Yeah, you're, you're engaged. <laughs> you're doing that for your parents. You're not doing that for you or your, or your spouse. Yeah. Well, whether or not they want to do it for whoever it is, it doesn't really matter. Just don't yeah. set a date. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. don't set yourself up for another Let stint down. of disappointment. Ooh, that's a podcast right there. You know, just let let's see what happens and then take it from there. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I remember once I sent that text, he literally said to me, "Dude, are you in my head right now?" Mm-hmm. Because this is that's literally what him and his fiance were going to talk about that night. Yeah, and and I was thinking about it. I was looking at my schedule. I was like, "Dude, you just shouldn't do this." Yeah, D- don't yeah. even worry about it. Just postpone it. You know, and I think I by me initiating the conversation and just coming very direct and just saying that, I think it just it was a relief for him. It just put a little it put him at ease a little bit, knowing that, you know what, you're right, because that's what they were already thinking about doing. And then there's nothing worse than trying to force a situation. Exactly. exactly. And then it still doesn't work out and it doesn't work the way you want it to work. It's going to be a disaster. Yeah. It's going to be a disaster if you try to force it and try to, you know, kind of go with like this isn't something where it's just like, you know, like how in, in um, certain countries where they had like smog outside where like you, you know, you can make you can wear a, a respirator and you can go outside, go to the park still. But like there's still smog. All right. It's smog. You probably don't want to breathe it in, but you're not going to die. This is not that right. Like this is like it's it's irresponsible to have a gathering of 50 or more people like that is it's morally irresponsible for you to do that and it's not just on a personal level right like not even on some anti-vaccine or whatever like it's on a it's not a personal decision that you're making you're making a decision about the society that you live in at large and the reason why societies and cities have had to be under quarantine as an entire city as a rule of law is because people were not respecting the requests or the recommendation of the scientists that were saying, hey, if you limit your contact with other people, we can beat this. We can, we can, we can get on the other side of this. But if you refuse to do that, then we have to, now we got to flex our muscles. Now we have to enforce something and deprive you of a form of your liberty in order to protect you and the people that you're not even thinking of. So that's potentially the next step because yeah. when they first came out, they going kind of, it, was a, going it was highly suggested and then 24 hours ago, you actually had de Blasio come out and he said that they would be, they would be thinking about having a shelter in. And then hours later, you have Cuomo come out and say, no, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. If it does happen, it needs to be coordinated statewide and even potentially within the whole tri-state area. Um, and I understand both sides. My issue is 
that did not need to play out in front of the entire world. Yo, for real. Like certain things could be happen. Like that could be a, a closed door meeting. Because your if off. you're on, if you're having, and everyone has a certain level of anxiety, for sure. and now you're watching the people running the show, and they're having like little hissy fits. Plus, plus back and forth. My cousin in the Pentagon is texting me that we're gonna have a shelter and a no no um no roads are gonna be accessible to people All that right. are non emergency. Pentagon time. flex. Yeah, you haven't gotten those texts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody in the Pentagon. Just for for future reference, but you know everybody knows somebody in the NYPD or uh, FDNY or somebody. I've I've heard the Pentagon come up <laughs> a few times in different group chats. Where people are like, oh, my friend that's close to somebody yeah. in the Pentagon said this message. They're going to be shut down. So when you have those kind of rumors bubbling and then the people that are in charge, something. they're kind of quarreling over whether or not they want to do that. That, that increases the anxiety because we need accurate information. We need it timely and we need it honest. And decisive. Yeah, transparent. Be transparent. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We don't want to do it, but this is the best thing for us to do to stop this. Period. I will say that for the most part, coming down the pipeline, and I've spoken to multiple firefighter friends, multiple, multiple friends in the NYPD, they're just as in the dark as we are. Facts. Some of the initiatives that's been put forward, they don't know it until it's announced at that same press conference. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. Literally, <laughs> it's literally, okay, we got off the conference call. This is what we're doing. Yeah. We go before the press and we yeah. announce it. Now everybody knows. Yeah. I feel like um, even, our, even our leader, right, like our principal, yeah. she's kind of like, hey, look, I found out about this this morning, so I'm telling you now. And I feel like that's kind of where we're doing right now. And, that, and that's just the nature of the situation. Yeah, like, yeah. again, minute to minute. Yeah. Hour is, to hour. It's live updates, right? Live streaming, you know? So it's, it's unprecedented. And, and I think we're going to, this is, our kids are going to grow up and read about this in their textbooks, if they have textbooks, tablets or their cloud learning platforms, their remote learning platforms. They're going to have like 3D all encompassing. They're going to yeah. be talking about ancient Rome and they're going to be there. Facts. They're going to be know? the teachers. They have Google tours for that. It's, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, eventually it's going to be, it's li you're going to be living in your own melodrama wow. where you're going to be seeing World War II happen in front mm. of you and you're in the trenches. I'm yeah. sure. It's all going to be like that Oculus. That sounds traumatizing. <laughs> But also informative. True, 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 true. Like you see somebody's limb get off. You see somebody dying from like typhoid fever, like some real shit. Like living through the bubonic plague, like the reenactments. Like that's. I want that kind of history, actually. Yo, I would go to school more often if I yeah. knew that I was going to see somebody's head get like exploded. Like, oh, I also God. think it makes it more. You, you actually feel what was happening. Though. Yeah. You have more empathy. It doesn't seem so yeah. distant. So. My thing is, I especially teaching these students who, for the most part, if you're if you're in high school, yep, you were born after nine eleven. Yep, I think we officially hit that threshold where you were born after nine eleven. Yep, and one thing I was thinking about the other day is that for many of these kids, this is their nine eleven. Yep, because I always made a point to teach nine eleven. Yep, when nine eleven happens. Yep. Uh, especially as living in New York City, having been here when it happened, the emotional feelings that I went through, I that doesn't always resonate with them. I think that was one of my first memories of um, co-teaching with you was because yeah. obviously that's in September, right? The school year is just starting. I remember we did our 9-11 lessons and like, like you had a lot of say on that. Like you were like, man, like, no, nah, this is, I got people, I met people that I knew that were first responders and like, yeah, I remember you, was it, uh, who was it that was crying? Was it, um, don't tell me, it was Bill Maher. Maher? Was it Bill Maher? Uh, it was somebody that was like. John Stewart. John Stewart. 
those are the same people. Um, <laughs> but I remember like that that being a significant memory for me. I was like, oh wow, like like this is uh, something that you're you're very focused or passionate about teaching. Yeah, for sure. And I think for them, because like when that happened in that moment, you, you're just kind of just living it. And then when you, it, you, I think it helps you be empathetic Facts. and resonate like with things that happened in the past. So when you hear a Holocaust survivor talk yep. about what they went through, having now been through it yourself or been through something life changing, life altering, yeah. life altering, you, you are now more empathetic, but now yeah. you're more open to hearing what they, yeah. what they have to say. Because you also want to listen out for how they dealt with it. Or yeah. maybe you see some of your feelings in their story, right? Like I, 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 the, the, the idea of the anxiety, the uncertainty, as you mentioned earlier, like that's something that it, it can kind of make you feel better in a sense because you know you're not alone. You know that you're not experiencing this for the first time. And you're, not, you're not wrong for feeling how you feel. And that might only hit maybe like 12 to 24. I think if you're under 12 years old, you might be a little too young to fully grasp yeah, the un yeah. and understand what's really mm -hmm. happening. But I think if you're in that age, yeah. yeah, when you're in that age range, I think this is going to hit you. For sure. For sure. So our hard. kids are right yeah. there. Our kids are right there. Cause, and, and again, you know, developmentally, your brain processes things differently during adolescence than it does in childhood or even adulthood. Like everything feels stronger. It feels more intense when you are in adolescence because of the way your brain is wired. It's, it's like you, that's why people talk about high school so much. Right. People are like, oh, you know, in high school, I was the best. I, you know, I, sh I threw for 10 touchdowns. It's like, no, you it was like one touchdown. But you're, you remember <laughs> it. You remember it so strongly because your brain is developing in a way that it processes emotions and experiences in a very intense way. And that kind of sticks. It, it's like um, branded in your brain or like tattooed in your brain, whereas the things before or after are less. less There's clear. also I think we had this conversation before also, I think, uh, where we you talk about when kids go through this mm -hmm. and let's say this last 18 months, 18 months in a 15 year old's life is pretty significant. Heck yes. Relative to us where we saw 9-11, mm -hmm. we saw, like, I still remember the day Osama bin Laden was, was killed. You know, yeah. that's, there's, there's certain days in the history of your life yeah. that, like, we all collectively share yeah. that you kind of go back to. Yeah. And was that 2011? I feel like that was 2011. Well, don't put me on the spot now. Oh, I, I remember. I just it was, remember. It was under, under the Obama presidency. Yeah. I remember that. Well, you know what really stood out for me is when they were all in the, uh, was it the Situation Room? or yeah, yeah, yeah. a room adjacent to that or something like that. And you see, like, Obama looking intensely with, like, his arms crossed. And then Hillary's there. And then it just really stood out for me that, like, certain areas of the world edited Hillary out. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. really that probably mm -hmm. stuck with me more than anything. Yeah. And I was just like, really? Fake news, right? Fake news. So ridiculous. News. God forbid a woman should be in the room no, when like women, these no, decisions not are made. Not in America. <laughs> women don't have political power in oh, America. It was ridiculous. That's not a sexist reflection of my views. That's just how America feels. I don't feel that way. Um, so kind of turning towards policy. Hmm. Trump recently said he wants to start giving, I don't, it, it may be every American, every American family, I'm not really sure, but he wants to essentially create a stimulus for people going forward where they'd be receiving 
I believe it to be $2,000 a month, which essentially would be two $1,000 allotments. Yeah. $500 a week. Yeah. Right. I yeah. believe so. 500 a week at the end of the it's 4,000, the $2,000 for the mm. month. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Or, or how do we, how do we fix this situation mm-hmm. as in regards to, or not even how we fix this situation because how do we respond? How, yeah. How do we respond to the situation with regards to the impact that it's happening uh, to everyday Americans? Great question. Um, I mentioned this earlier. I don't know if you were there, but um, I think COVID-19 is exposing a lot of the fallacies that we've held to be true about how our country op- operates and what's capable and what's possible and what isn't. And I feel that people are seeking to triage and more people, myself included, are pointing out how these triage attempts or policies should have been policy all along, right? Because these are the things that people have been fighting for. People have been fighting for economic justice. People have been fighting for equal access to affordable quality healthcare. Um, people that have been advocating for something like um, Andrew Yang was um, campaigning for, which is a universal basic income. Um, Sanders has made uh, um, reference to that as well. Um, these are things that we've been led to believe are not possible. These are things that we've been able to We've been led to believe that we'll bankrupt our economy, bankrupt our society. It's not sustainable. We can't do it. Yet here we are now rushing the same people who demonize these policies as evil, socialist, communist ideals are looking, are recognizing the value in these approaches, recognizing the necessity of providing for all people as a means of maintaining the country um, and and and. The, generally taking care of the well-being of all people. We're starting to see that more people are coming around to these ideas and there's less and less of a response to say, we can't. Because if you're a person right now in 2020 and you're a politician and people are asking for their needs to be met and your answer is we can't because, you're going to get voted out. Like you, 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 Nobody is on your side right now. right? Like If you're somebody who's pushing back against giving people access to free testing for a virus that is rapidly spreading. If you're against that, we don't want you to be here anymore. And it's harder for you to hide behind the guise of, oh, this is policy, oh, these are conservative values. It's harder for you to hide behind those things in a, in a, in a time of extreme need. And these are the exact same things that activists have been fighting for time and time again. Cesar Chavez was fighting for his, um, the, the workers' rights to be able to be compensated, to have sick days. These are things that have been on policy briefs for every quote-unquote radical, every quote-unquote socialist candidate from the beginning. Everyone has been saying these are the things that we need. And now tr- Donald Trump and his cabinet are recognizing the value and the, the, um, the, 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 the logic and the necessity of these types of policies. Like, no one can ign- deny that people need to have their health care covered. Like, it, 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 it stands to reason that for the betterment of society, if people are healthy, they're more productive. They're smarter. They're safer if their health is taken care of. But if, any, if everybody's one paycheck away from being bankrupt, from being homeless, that's not a sustainable society. And any weakness or any pressure will expose that weakness and will exploit it and it, the whole thing will collapse, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. We're, we're days away from 
our hospital systems, the beds, the respirators being overwhelmed because we have not thought far enough about the health and well-being of every citizen. Rather, we've kind of let people just do things on their own. And that's not a sustainable practice. So along the lines of like systems of bureaucracy, Mm -hmm. you have you have the mayor who says he wants to do he wants to have a shelter and you have the governor who says that's not going to happen. Yeah. Be unless it happens across the state, unless and I'm guessing if it happens across the state, he's going to also want all of the neighboring states to do it also. Yeah. In the tri-state. At least. Yeah. Uh, so where where does that put us as far at, at a national level is what I'm now starting to think. And what needs to be put in place? Because what you have, and Cuomo's come out and he said this multiple times, that you have every, every state kind of working on their own to address mm-hmm. this crisis. Yeah. But there is no leadership coming from the top yeah. designating what needs to be done. Yeah, we don't really have leadership, unfortunately. Um, I, I think that New York in particular, New York City, has always been a vanguard city, right? Like we are the things happen here and then they happen elsewhere. Like we are the test zone because, again, we've got, we, got, we have a city with a population of almost 9 million people, right? That we encompass every demographic. We have every language, we have every culture, every religion, everything that you can imagine on earth exists in some degree within New York City. So this is the petri dish, dish, so to speak, of any kind of um, economic policy where we're talking about or or even a, a, a educational policy. Like we, we, we test it out here and what happens here is a good indicator of how things can happen on a larger scale in other countries and other cities and, and municipalities. So I think that looking at how we res- respond, I kind of understand why like de Blasio was kind of like hesitant because he knows that he's not just making a decision for New York City. He's making a decision for this, the country because people follow suit with what New York does. And I think that that, that weight on their pen, on their tongues, makes it more serious when they make these kind of pronouncements that are sweeping because they have to think about every single um, possible scenario and they have to imagine in real time in real time they have to imagine what will happen six weeks from now from what I say in this second right so that's a very heavy load and I don't envy them for sure oh not at all um, I was talking to my roommate and uh, he was making a reference to something Obama said uh, and I don't remember the exact quote but he said that the the position the office will humble you yeah hell yeah you you're the hell president yeah. of the united states but yourself. but it will humble you very quickly yeah, yeah for sure and um i can only hope that you know I, that trump makes all of the right decisions that puts us in a place where you got more hope than me well i mean i wishful thinking because it, it no matter whatever he decides is going to affect all of us yep so i, I you I hope that he errs on the side of the benefit for all people. Exactly. Uh, I don't so, have evidence to believe that he will. I mean, neither do I, but that's, that's a different story. Um, but I want to thank you for taking the time to sit down with me, uh, sure. Andre. I'm only sad that it took us this long to do this. I feel like this, this could have been great. This can be great. How about that? That's my optimism. 
this can be great. You're just going to have to get um, voice notes and audio recording that doesn't sound as clear and as crisp as this because I don't, I don't have one of these uh, devices. Oh, you'd be surprised. You can, get some, you can get some really good equipment now at this point. Uh, and I bought this stuff like years ago, so this is uh, this it's is outdated. Yeah, well, I want. Well, this is probably the standard mic you'll see, mm-hmm. like on uh, most ju- in just about any venue you'll go to. It's it's known for being sturdy, reliable, cost effective. So you go into any kind of venue, it's 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 the it's the standard mic. So if I was to describe Roger Gibson using three adjectives, it's all right. This will be edited out. Sturdy. Reliable, <laughs> cost effective. <laughs> Those are the three that I'm going with. <laughs> that's, that's my three right there. Sturdy, right. reliable, and cost effective. Well, on that note, we're out. <laughs> Peace.